I am so sore today, and all I did was a 30-minute Peloton. I'm such a wimp. I'm so glad you guys are tuning in today because this one is so unbelievable when it comes to dreaming, right? I mean, if, if you've got a dream, say, for example, of becoming a famous athlete, that would not be me because a 30-minute Peloton class is killing me. But if you wanted to be a star athlete, you got to have grit and determination to get there. But you also have to endure unbelievable physical pain. I mean, playing with pulled muscles and shredded tendons is pretty much par for the course for pro football, tennis, and baseball players. And I once met a National Hockey League Stanley Cup winner who played his final two games of the Stanley Cup with broken bones. Okay, that would not be me. Anyway... He did it. That's why the shelf life of pro athletes is so short. According to Statista, pro football players last an average of just 3.3 years in their career. That's it. But if you think hockey and football players have it rough, try being one of the pros on Dancing with the Stars. They fight through broken toes, sprained ankles, and exhaustion, all while wearing high heels and smiling. Many of them fight through it all for a limited number of years, but my guest today, well, I'm just going to call her a unicorn. Cheryl Burke lasted 26 seasons on the hit ABC dance competition show. She was the first female professional dancer to win the show and the first pro to win two consecutive seasons. She is a study in resilience. So how did she tango, cha-cha, waltz, and samba her way to winning mirror balls and capturing the hearts of millions of viewers for so many years? It wasn't just broken bones or training celebrities born with two left feet that Burke had to endure. She danced through a broken heart, a broken marriage, and long-buried abuse that finally had nowhere to go but out in the open. Cheryl, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. I'm so excited to hear your story. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for that beautiful intro. Oh, listen, we were so psyched because everybody here at Fox is like a huge fan of the show, obviously, but you are a standout in all of this. And we thought, what's her backstory? You know, I mean, when did you first decide I want to be a dancer? Oh, wow. Okay. So I, my mother, so she was born in the Philippines and um, even prior to me being born, you know, she came here to the the United States and she actually built from the ground up herself. So right then and there, I had a beautiful role model of endurance and someone who just never gave up. Um, You know, she went through a divorce with my father when I was two years old and my mom was always like always wanted to be a dancer but could never afford it in the philippines and mm. you know she just thought why not try her try me into different extracurricular activities so she did everything with me from like soccer horseback riding dance and i would say <laughs> that most likely uh dance was the one thing i never complained about so i was always um you know a dancer at heart i guess and it definitely i believe is hereditary my mom loves to dance i mean she started dancing too when she could afford it and you know she put me in ballet from four to eleven and then you know i literally grew out of my types i mean i became i developed very early at a young age at nine years old and i just felt like i didn't fit in and my mother remarried my stepfather who i call my dad to this day he's a great man Mm. um and they wanted to find a family sport to do so we tried golf and that clearly didn't work (laughs) so uh we then tried ballroom dancing but it took me a while to get you know that thought out of my head that ballroom was only for old people until i saw um kids my age in the bay area where i'm from you know dance and 
where the costumes were the glitz and glam. And I was like, oh, sign me up. And so, and this is my personality. I, I, um, you know, ever since I was a teenager, I guess, it's just, if this is what I want, this is what I'm going to get and nothing's going to stop me. Wait, have you seen these kids on TikTok? These these tiny oh kids <laughs> who do ballroom dancing. Oh my gosh, and they're so good. And I'm like, I hate you. I can't do that. You know what's so funny is that you guys are just seeing this for the first time, but that those are the kids. Those are the people that I saw <laughs> when I was also a kid. You know, like this has been and that's the best time to do it when you are, you know, about to get into become a teenager, I guess. And that's when your brain, you know, you're able to retain all that information. And um, I think that's how everyone's groomed as far as like mm-hmm. pro athletes go. Right. When you start at a young age. But Cheryl, how does it go from a hobby to, geez, I'd like to make a living from this? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how open I could be here on this on this show. I'm pretty sure as open as possible. As, yes, as you please. Had said earlier. You know, so before I even started ballroom, you know, there was a, uh, I went through child abuse. I got um, sexually molested by a family friend who drove me and my stepsister around um, because my Filipina nanny, because my mom was busy creating this business. um, So she was almost working 24 hours a day. And so we needed to obviously, you know, have people to help around the house, get me to school and get my stepsister, my stepsister to school. And Mm -hmm. It's interesting how, you know, for me, I guess dance was my outlet of, as far as expressing myself and, um, you know, the therapeutic aspects of movement in general. But obviously, I had no idea about that when I was so young. But I would say that, you know, that really that took a huge um, I think it shaped me to who I am, obviously, today. But it also really gave me an outlet. So dance, I think because of the trauma that happened, I mm-hmm. I my brain in fight, flight, or freeze focused on whatever made me feel good at that time. And it was definitely dance. And that was my way of expressing myself because the English language to be able to communicate my feelings, it wasn't possible back then. Although my mom put me in therapy and I'm still in therapy to this day, actually. But it has, um, dance was always an outlet for me. And that's why I say dance has saved my life in so many ways. That's amazing to hear because some people shut down, some people turn inward, some people take their own lives. uh, Or they are damaged for life and they can't face the world. They will hide. They can't even answer the door when the pizza delivery guy comes. They're they're just so horrified by what happened to them. And that is an actual true story. Uh, There was a famous hockey player for the Boston Bruins who just stopped showing up uh, to practice. And the team was like, dude, you got to show up. And it turned out he had been abused by, you know, a little league hockey coach back in the day in Canada. And it it bubbles up so it does you know you bury it for a while and at least as as i'm hearing you say the burying of it led you to something that was very beautiful and that was dedicating yourself to dance but i'll, I'll go back to that original question how do you go from that to i i can make money doing this cuz that's hard that's the trick Well, you know, I always said to my mom that I would love to, my mom was very strict with me. So, you know, I come from the ultimate dance mom, as I have always said, (laughs) that she made sure that I, you know, my grades were intact. And if it, if they weren't, then I wasn't going to 
be traveling the world to all these competitions. And I used to spend my summers in England and train with the very best back in the day. That's where everyone was as far as coaches go and where you want to succeed. Um, and so one time I just knew, you know what, I don't care if my grades are not good. I'm going to make my own money. So me and my partner at the time, we literally had a boom box and boom box because this was in the nineties. We <laughs> I've been there, honey. Adidas. I've been there. <laughs> we were wearing those Adidas rip away pants and <laughs> some Capizio boots. We hired one of the, like a kid that we knew. And as we were dancing on the streets in the middle of Union Square, we made $2,000. And so I got my, uh, we got ourselves to England. <laughs> what? So I think it was then and there that I realized, okay, well, this could be a future. And a future, <laughs> a present. It's unbelievable uh, what happened to you as you were working your way toward doing this. And then suddenly, how did the Dancing with the Stars opportunity come up? So that's an interesting question. So my mom, in a way, was wanting to groom me to take over her company, obviously. And, you know, for me, I was never book smart, I would say. I mean, I think now is different. I'm very curious. It's just I'm a curious person. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, back but back then, it was like I only wanted to dance. And for me, it was like dreading. I was dragging my feet to school. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was interesting because... My mom has always said dancers make no money. Like she made that very clear. She's like, you want to be able to make money in your sleep. And if you can't make money in your sleep and you have to be the only, you're the only person, you can't have like a company of other people, of other dancers work for you. Because at the end of the day, when you're coaching somebody, you know, it's you, they want to be coached by. So it's not like the people that have trained under you. So I understood that philosophy, but then I had no idea my goal was never to be on television. My goal was just to, my goal was very, uh, it was very focused on just becoming a world champion. Sure. And so I had turned professional in my dancing career, my competitive dancing career, that is when I was 18 or 19. And then I, there was the first season that aired on dancing, um, on ABC, on Dancing with the Stars. And I, a lot of my colleagues, obviously, were a part of it. And I was like, oh, this show is just not, I was thinking to myself, obviously, that this show was not going to last more than a season, right? <laughs> I was like, this is crazy. Like, how many more celebrities would want to come on a show like this and be so vulnerable? And so then after the second season, um, you know, I got approached to, I guess, come and do an audition. And they actually even said, at the time I was living in Harlem, you know, I was a starving dancer living in Harlem with my my new pro partner, who I also was in a romantic relationship with, thank God, now I can, say, I can say this, thank God things weren't working out because if they were, I probably would have turned down this opportunity. Or, you know, if he would have said, don't do it, I probably would have never taken that chance. And, you know, it's interesting. My whole identity back then, before I even moved to LA, I was very shy. You know, the ballroom world is interesting because you know, the man, it, it is still like this. And that's the beauty of this art is like the, the man leads and the woman follows, you know, it's very old school. Mm -hmm. Now to execute the speed and the precision of ballroom dancing, that has to happen. Okay. So that is what it is. But in real life, back in the nineties, it was still like that. So I was never asked for my opinion. I was obviously recovering from the trauma. I, you know, was just very shy and I was never this opinionated like I am today or outspoken mm. even. Um, I really didn't even know what my favorite color was. Well, so can I, I, can I stop you there? I, can I stop you there? This is important. I want my listeners to seize upon this. 
you actually can change yourself if you want to badly enough. I, I don't know. I forget if I've told our, our listeners before. My my parents were Canadian born. I was raised very Canadian, like be very polite. Don't you know, don't get up in people's faces. Maybe if you if, if somebody's mean to you, maybe they had a bad day. OK, that goes about one inch in the corporate world and certainly in television news. You've got to be out there fighting. You've got to shove microphones in people's faces. And I wanted it so badly, but it was so against the nature that I had been raised with but I yes. thought to myself, I, I've got to change. So this part of you and your journey is really interesting to me. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, look, I look back at my audition um, footage and I couldn't even tell you or recognize who that uh, 21-year-old young woman was. Like mm. when they would interview me, I was so nervous. I'll never forget it. Like I, I and this is what the start of also the next chapter of when, you know, when I was actively drinking and... You know, I've been sober now for five and a half years, but we'll get there. So, you know, I would <laughs> go to these audition rooms. Thank you. So many things. I'm like an onion. There's so many layers. <laughs> um, and I would go on to these audition rooms and I would just, it would take everything out of the producer to just get me to say a complete sentence and do it with conviction. Like my voice, I don't know, because I, I was, I tend to be a little bit of a chameleon back then. And so I had like a weird, slight English accent. I, my voice was very soft. Um, and I really clearly didn't know who that young woman was, you know, back then, back then. And I have to say, because of actual, you know, training, like media training face on, like, this is it. Like there was no actual training. It was kind of like, this is what it is. And you have to get with it. I, that was the experience and just having, you know, been on the show for so many seasons after every season, I just became stronger and stronger and started to learn more and more about myself mm. and it came into my own. And obviously, you know, we all have chapters in our lives and the one valuable lesson I've learned or many, but this is one of them. You can't change anybody but yourself. Yeah. And Amen. Absolutely. This is Everyone Talks to Liz and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates it's faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And, and Cheryl, so then you win, but you're starting to work with these celebrity contestants, right? And, and you've worked with some really interesting people. Emmett Smith, these are, these are pro athletes, Olympic swimmer Ryan Lochte, uh, obviously Ray Lewis of the Ravens, then uh, Rob Kardashian, A.J. McClain, Jack Osborne. Shadow Joe Cinco. Yes, yeah. e exactly. They're which one these. of them, and I, I have different questions about all of them, but which one of them began completely unable to do it and then ended 
with such talent that you were blown away? You know, it's all psychological, this show. I think I'm not a lot of this is why I have my podcast, um, because, you know, the fans who have been so loyal to us over the decades, it's like people don't people just think this is a dance show, but it's really not. It, it's deeper than that. And so for me, the biggest, I would say, for like satisfaction for me is when I get somebody like a Jack Osborne or a Rob Kardashian who may not have 100 percent confidence in themselves I mean, especially Rob, like it was pulling teeth to get him into the rehearsal space in the beginning, because you can clearly tell back then that he didn't want to do this. He was kind of forced into it at the beginning. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't want to be in the spotlight. He just never did. And I don't think he still wants to. And to this day, but what was so satisfying and so I was so proud to watch him grow into him, his own identity and his own manhood if you if you'd like to call it that way i mean like he just walked out with like zero confidence and then as the weeks progressed you could tell his posture was different like it's a direct correlation you know with how you hold yourself in your body and and what you exude out into the public and i believe that whether or not you believe it it's actually i heard a neuroscientist say recently that your brain can't tell the difference between a lie and the truth and that has a lot to do with the way you hold yourself in your body as well. If you think about it, if you walk into a meeting or you walk into a live show like Dancing with the Stars, if your posture says insecurity all over it, oh, yeah. then that's what it's going to be, right? So you can trick your brain and you can actually stand tall and you will soon feel confident. You will feel secure. Let me have you put on your teacher hat. How do you t- begin teaching someone? For example, I've never ballroom danced and I watched Silver Lining Playbook, and I'm thinking, how did Jennifer Lawrence do that? And she had such great moves. And then it was, it was cute as Bradley Cooper also had to learn. But I always felt like I could never do that. How do you take the first step in teaching someone? Well, if, if you know how to walk, I would say, then you know how to ballroom dance. It's very it, – hmm. as much as, you know, look, this is the also the advantage of partner dancing. It's like right away if you were to – walk into my rehearsal space and let's say you were my partner i would first ask you if you have any dance experience i put some music on see if you have musicality naturally in your body and i would right away start teaching you the foundation of whatever uh style it is whether it's standard or the latin dances and you know there's something like right away i can even tell with shaking someone's hand how this person's going to perform Hmm. Right. So if this person shakes your hand and it's not very firm, it's not confident. If the person doesn't look at you in the eyes, you can tell that he's he or she is insecure. Right. They, they might feel very insecure about themselves. Um, but, you know, this is something that you can you can still train. Like, I, And the thing with Dancing with the Stars is that not like, you know, a movie set. We This is live. Right. So you can take a hundred different takes when you are in like Bradley Cooper's shoes, right? Mm, like if it didn't look good, don't worry, take take a hundred, you know? But on Dancing with the Stars, we have a turnaround of three, four days. And I say three, four days because we have to have our dance completely ready to go, show our director and they have to choreograph the cameras around wow. us. So it is really intense. And it is, and honestly, like for the celebrities that come on here and they have a goal and the goal, I always say, whoever says they want to win the mirror ball, I, I feel I apologize in advance, but that requires so much hard work. And that's why you see the couples so emotional. It's also mentally challenging because 
it is scary and it is you're completely vulnerable but it's the people who come on the show who are not scared to be vulnerable because it's a journey and this is why america loves the show so much because they go on this journey with you hence for example emmett smith winning versus mario lopez mario lopez was already good what journey was that there was no journey (laughs) you know but Emmett Smith behind the helmet. How did you know he was so charming? No one knew. He, they were just, they fell in love with this guy who plays football, but then was, you know, named Twinkle Toes by one of the judges. So it's like, you know, <laughs> people like to root for the underdog. And isn't yeah. that in life as well, right? Also, somebody who who embraces it is self-deprecating, makes fun of themselves in the process, but is willing to put in the work. How many hours a day over those three to four days do you practice with this contestant of of each season? Well, I always say it's not about what they do in the studio. It's about what they do at home after we call it quits. Because, like, are you memorizing your choreography so that the next day you come in and I can just move on and start layering the cake right like we have to build a foundation and if i have someone who just does the work in the studio for four hours and now there's a limit because of all the injuries that were happening um but yes four hours is maximum however i'm always like i have to choreograph and i'm sending videos in the downtime to my partner depending on how committed he is like if he if i have to force it down their throat and just say don't forget to look at the video and this is why I love um, re- rehearsing and dancing with athletes because you don't got you don't have to tell them any of this. They do the work, and that's why they're the best at what they do. Oh my gosh, uh, athletes, boy, they they work through all kinds of pain. What have you worked through? What have you danced through on live television? Oh goodness, how long do you got? Okay, <laughs> um, I've danced through a lot of personal uh, pain. I think you know, look from. I can't even say to this day, I'm completely healed from all my traumas. That that Mm. is not the case. I am a work in progress and I will be for the rest of my life. But like for as far as Dancing with the Stars goes, I mean, I would say, you know, the show became very popular. We used to get Super Bowl ratings back in season three. We got like 35 million viewers for the finale. And from then on, my life changed as far as being in the spotlight. But I still I still am not 100 percent comfortable, you know, with paparazzi or with like going to red carpets. It's very strange for me. And I am naturally as far as this might um, be be to believe, but I'm very much an introvert. Um, And, you know. When I have to turn it on, I will because I'm trained to do this, right? right? Whether right. it is doing an interview or whether it is performing in front of millions of people. But, you know, personally, behind all of the lights, camera action, it's just me. I, I mean, I'm just, I love being home. I'm not, I have social anxiety. I also am an addict and I've been, as I said, sober for five and a half years. There was a whole thing, um, I would say in the earlier seasons, of uh, fat shaming. And so I suffer from body dysmorphia. And I think it happened even prior to my time on Dancing with the Stars. Hmm. And when you're in the spotlight, um, you know, in that sense, and, you know, I still, even though I'm not on the show anymore and uh, retired last year, it, it still happens, right? So it's hard for me not to take some things personal when people talk about you or, or kind of like, look for validation because like if you think about it in all the entertainment business or whatever it is that you do we look for valid validation like i you know as a dancer you look for it regardless of yes we also love it and it's an art form and we love performing but why right and so it's been interesting because during this time this past year it's like 
I have to, I had to relearn who I am and my identity and knowing that my identity is not outside of myself. Like it's not defined by dancing with the stars. And, you know, during a show, there was so much drama with like people thinking I was hooking up with my partners to Ryan Lochte, you know, that whole thing with protesters walking onto the floor during the premiere thinking, and I thought for sure this guy was armed. I mean, there's so much stuff. And so much of my life, I would say 16 years, that's how long, or 17 years I was on the show. That's a good chunk of my life, right? So far, I'm 39. So a lot has happened. Um, yes. I was also danced through a divorce. I danced through breakups. I danced through, you know, just a lot of uh, challenges. But thank God I had dance at that time, right? Right. And, and Cheryl, I, when I think about uh, some of the partners that you've had. I also think about your actual husband and you danced through a tough divorce, didn't you? How did you face the cameras during that time? I mean, there was no, I, I, I never thought in my head that I wasn't going to have to face the cameras. This was, um, that was my personal life. And then this was my career. And I tried as much as possible to separate the two, but I also am an open book. And I believe that when I am open and I choose to be vulnerable, it is healing. It, it takes the shame and guilt away. And I realize that. And I, so that is my reason for being so open because I do know as well that somebody is going through something similar yeah. and will be listening to this interview or any other interviews I've done. And, if I could just help one person feel like they're not alone, that <laughs> always has been my goal. I think this is why I've been blessed with a platform like I have. Oh, you are helping people as you speak. I know this audience is soaking up your story. I want to know, as we finish up this conversation, I have a thing for Cody Rigsby. He is That's my favorite Peloton I, I teacher. So after you said you just finished Peloton, is the cutest. He's so funny. Oh my gosh! But that guy can dance. You can tell even as he sits there on the bike. You can tell he's got the move. So what was it like dancing with Cody? Oh, Cody is such a wonderful man. I mean, <laughs> he really is such a bright light. Um, you know, during that time, it was really tough for me because I was going through, um, you know, a separate or I was about to be separated. So it was still it was very rocky, my marriage at that time. And he was there for me through it all. Um, and, you know, he is exactly who you see um, when you take his class, <laughs> you take his Peloton class. And but also he's a hard worker. And, you know, I always say this, look, people with who can dance already, it doesn't necessarily help them because ballroom is such a different beast that you're dealing ah, with that. Yeah. Like it's almost harder to untrain the brain than it is to train it. Hence why athletes are so good because they, they have nothing to compare it to. Like when I danced with AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boy, it's same thing. It's just harder to untrain your body that whatever your body's been moving or how it's been moving the past deck, like decade or two, you know, it's really challenging. Um, but Cody embraced it all. We also got COVID. I actually, I think I gave COVID to Cody because <laughs> we were traveling back and forth from Brooklyn to um, at Los Angeles because he still had to continue his Peloton classes, obviously. And it was at the height of COVID. So it was interesting. We both, you know, I'm not sure if you've seen it or not, but we danced in our living rooms and he was Aww. just such a trooper, you know? Oh my gosh. You are, you are an inspiration. And I, I really just want to press home this point 
You guys, look what she did, and it was against her grain. If you think that you can't achieve your actual dream because it's just not who you are, if it means enough to you, am I right, Cheryl? you got to change who you are to really reach that dream, right? Yes, and to be honest, my dream was never to be on TV, but my dream was to not let my past or my trauma define who I was. And whatever that led me to is whatever it led me to. But it's one step at a time, just like the, you know, a program, it really is one foot in front of the other, like a dance routine, like life, no matter what we all evolve, whether, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. So you can either kick and scream and, um, have it be a hard time, like, and not go and go against life in general, or you can go with the flow in that sense. And it's like, you just, sometimes it's overwhelming when you have a dream. I understand like, it's like, Oh, how am I going to get there? one foot in front of the other and just do it with grace and forgiveness of yourself and with ease. Cheryl, this message is so valuable to so many people out there. And by the way, for all of you listening, if there's somebody you know who wants to reach for something but just can't get it together or doesn't believe in themselves, please tell them to listen to Cheryl and her story. This, to me, is so incredibly valuable. You can change your destiny. You hold the pen to write your own story. You know, don't sit there and say, oh, this person didn't give me the chance or this boss wasn't helpful to me. No, 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 no. You write your own story just like Cheryl did. Amazing. And speaking of which, Cheryl's incredible. She's got a new podcast. I hope you guys get a chance to listen to. It's called, This is the best title, Sex, Lies, and spray tans. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I am incredibly grateful that you take the time to hear these hopefully life-changing stories. I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Claiming Countdown. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.